0: podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to discussing the DC CW.
1: We love the shared universe that DC has on the CW So we want to talk about it So let's get
0: started My name is Ray And I'm Brent Welcome to the Squadcast okay, So let's just get right down to it Starting off with Supergirl uh, The most recent episode uh, 205 Crossfire uh, This was an interesting episode of the show this week Where you had the whole conflict with humans and alien weapons And this, this gang essentially causing terror across national. National City that Kara has to deal with and the DEO as well has to deal with Uh, and you come to find out that uh, they're being funded or controlled uh, by Cadmus and the mysterious woman played by Brenda Strong who is the head of Cadmus that is trying to cause a lot of problems for uh, aliens uh, in National City, uh, Kara in particular as well and you had a a bunch of other subplots this week as well. Uh, You had some definite hilarity with uh, Mon-El as Mike trying to make his transition into the world. Uh, we saw a little bit of James and his transition uh, starting into Guardian. For you, Brent, this week, uh, what was the biggest thing that you liked about this week's episode?
1: All in all, this was a great episode. the The single highlight for me had to be when Alex finally kind of came to terms with what was going on with her and came out to Maggie. I thought that was just a phenomenal scene, and that that just the whole scene it just it felt very real, which is an odd thing to say about a show like this, but I, it was. Very believable, and I just thought they did a, a fantastic job with it.
0: I could not agree more. I feel like they handled that entire situation very well. Uh it, it definitely felt real. Great respect to Kyler Lay for how she played that uh the actress that plays Alex because it was something that she was you could tell she was struggling with throughout the whole episode and kind of needed the entirety of the episode to to, to build up to the big reveal at the end. And you know, it, it really just was able to pull. Off the the raw emotion of uh, and the struggle, you could see the struggle uh, in, in in her face and just emotionally speaking, in terms of building up to that reveal.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I would say the other the other big stuff for me was just more on the lighter side, and that would be Monel as Mike. I I thought just the way Kara was trying to basically force her life upon him, it just resulted in hilarious hilarious situations between him trying to answer the phone, him basically taking advantage of. Tessmucker to you know do his work for him and later for other things. Just the whole thing with Monel trying to be Mike, I thought was was
0: great. Okay, so first off, in relation to that, um, I just want to say how happy I am that Miss Tessmacher is still around on the show. I'm very glad that she wasn't just a one-off for the awesome reference line from from Cat Grant in the first episode of this season. I'm glad that she's that Eve is still around. Hope that they continue to pop her up uh, here and there in the in the sh- in the season. As far as Monel, yeah, that was definitely the comic relief, and I actually felt like seeing his behavior. You kind of understood, or at least for me, I kind of could see where Carl. Was coming from as far as like her perception of Daxamites beforehand, uh, and when they were talking about the difference between Daxam and, and Krypton, where like, okay, are they all as you know easygoing and 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 advantageous as he is, and and kind of carefree and whatnot? But yeah, that was that was a great bit of comedy, great comic relief for everything else that was going on in the episode.
1: So I want to ask you, have you heard of the gang called Inner Gang from the comics?
0: No, I'm afraid I have not. So
1: in the comics, they are basically a metropolis based gang who gets alien weaponry often from apocalypse to you know cause general mayhem things like that that is who i was thinking of as cadmus was supplying random people these this random gang with alien weapons i i kept thinking of inner gang and i kept listening to see if they were going to go that route but they didn't quite ever go there which i guess kind of makes sense because it's really all extremely connected to metropolis not even superman so much as just metropolis but that is what i was thinking of and I feel like we got a lot more from Cadmus this week, and I really like that, especially with you know the figurehead of Cadmus.
0: Yeah, Cadmus had kind of been out of the picture for I think the last episode or two. They definitely weren't in the episode with Roulette and the Alien Fight Club, so you hadn't really heard from them in a bit. And to to see them pop up again, and they they really love the whole taking over the TV waves, scaring everybody tactic. They've they've done that like two or three times this season, and yeah, it's it's. I think we were at a point where we needed to see them pop back up into the fray again and, and yeah j- just to see their plan whatever it is you know take the next step and also speaking of taking the next step it really does appear that James is starting to begin his full guardian transition as he just was ready to throw life and limb uh, no matter what uh, especially after his father's camera got destroyed uh, to do whatever he was going to do uh, as his own kind of one man wrecking crew to fight the gangsters with alien weapons what, what did you think about James's kind of carefree cavalier attitude with that this week.
1: Honestly, he sold me. I I really wasn't quite sure what I was going to think when we actually got to this story arc when it was announced. It it is such a departure from the original comics interpretation of him, but he sold me. Symbolically, you know, his dad's camera was destroyed, so he felt like that kind of part of his whole life was over, and he wanted to be alongside his friends, and I liked that he called out something that we had talked about before, about, you know, every other person on the cast, at least every other, at least every other major person on the cast is somehow connected to helping Supergirl on her missions. He was the only one who really wasn't at this point, and so maybe it's for out-of-story reasons, but it changes that and it lets him get into the fray. I mean, he's shown he can take care of himself. He still has a long ways to go, obviously, but I believed him, and I really like the way that he just kind of picked and picked and picked at Wynn until he finally wore Wynn down with a, you know, I'm gonna do it with or without you, so you might as well help me to keep me safer. I thought that was great.
0: Overall, I'm on board. I'll tell you right now, I'm on- on board as well but i'll tell you that scene that you just brought up between him and win that was the scene that sold it for me because i needed personally in order to really believe his transition into guardian or him starting that transition i needed him to really butt heads with somebody else about the whole idea somebody had to really resist him and it made perfect sense for win to be the one to resist him because who else would he ask to help him and the fact that it went back and forth and that it wasn't just you know win wasn't so easily swayed he literally Went, looked at Jimmy and said look you're gonna you're gonna die you're gonna get killed there's no way I could possibly support you with this and it it went on for a minute it was definitely a back and forth and it wasn't just a, a a quick you know one-off scene here or there like it literally came to the point where James had to go okay I'm gonna do this whether you're gonna help me or not and yeah that to me that was what really sold me on the idea of, of James taking this turn and also the the scene that you brought up it's very interesting I didn't even think about that that, that his whole explanation of how everybody else is helping you know everybody else has their role and he doesn't that really is one of those interesting fourth wall moments kind of within the show he didn't break the fourth wall he didn't look at the camera but he did completely identify one of the biggest complaints about his character from the first season on and I I think that was really clever the writers to do that
1: one thing I want to know is well one what is Supergirl's reaction going to be to this but I'm hoping that we get to find out Superman's reaction to this because obviously Obviously, Superman has a much longer relationship with James than Supergirl does. We still haven't heard anything about Tyler Hecklin, you know, returning to the show this year, but I hope that James's guardian lasts longer than an episode and lasts long enough that we get to see, you know, Superman confront him over it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'd love to see that too. We're all, you know, holding our breath here trying to see exactly what's go- what they're going to do. I know a lot of people are calling for more Tyler Hecklin and there have been people calling for the spin-off as well. Oh yeah. That would be awesome if they did that. I think with with what we've seen of the guardian costume that that we're going to see in, in full form i think in the very next episode he's going to be around for at least a, a good handful of episodes this season you just hope that it lasts long enough for there to be a superman reaction and yeah i am also very curious to see what Kara's reaction is because i have to believe that she's probably not going to be totally on board with it either
1: you almost got to wonder if his mask is going to be lined with lead so she can't tell it's him
0: interesting that could be and 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 when you know obviously since win is going to be the one designing it for him that could very well be it it could spark maybe a little bit of i don't want to say dissension but just some issues some some tension i guess is the better word uh between win james and kara where they're doing their thing you know as with the whole guardian project and they're keeping it from her and you know when the when she finally does discover that james is guardian and that win has been helping him you know there could definitely be some tension between the two of them as far as between the three of them, as far as all that goes, that'd be very interesting to see.
1: I kind of feel like there's one other thing we really need to to mention from this week's episode, and that would be Mama Luther.
0: Yes, uh, who I didn't realize was going to be in this season. But what a what another lovely twist from the DCCW at the very end.
1: You would ask me before we started if I knew anything about her from the comics, and frankly, I don't. The only Luther parent I know about is basically Alexander Luther, their father. From From This show Smallville and I'm really not even that familiar with if they ever did anything with him in the comics. I know in the 90s around the death of Superman, that was supposed to be Alexander Luther Jr. who was the Lex of the day. But really, that was my understanding is that was the original Lex in a cloned body posing as his own son because, you know, it's Lex Luther, He does things like that. So I don't really know much about his parents at all and nothing about his mom. So for me, she is a total blank slate. I have no clue where it's going other than she is the Luther she is with Cadmus so we know it's nowhere good
0: okay uh, well that's that was gonna be my first question after to, to you after seeing that because I the first thing I thought of was okay how like has this been done before in the comics like is there any background to this and if that's not the case then we're definitely in uncharted territory all across the board here and it'll be really interesting to see how that goes I I think it definitely gives you a different perspective on a piece of of this episode because the gang they had already indicated to her that they were going to make a move on lena luther and you know she was you know the, the head of cadmus who turned out to be mama luther she was resistant about that you know she didn't indicate why exactly she was resistant about it she just said you don't want to take on lena luther she's very resourceful and as it turns out she is very resourceful she set a trap for them to disable their weapons and and it was very brilliant very ingenious but and you know so that was a good enough reason not to mess with her but with that reveal at the end you see the other reason is because well that's her daughter and she didn't want them messing with her daughter in the event that for whatever reason they did succeed and probably just you know was an an even extra reason why she basically detonated their heads at the end of the episode. Speaking
1: of Lena, I kind of felt like at the end there when she was under the table uh, working on her device with Win, I, I felt like there was just a little spark there, and I half expected them just to start making out under the table.
0: Well, fortunately, that didn't happen, because <laughs> um, I think that would have been a little fast, but to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if that's something that they decide to do later on. It just, it, it really seemed like, because you don't necessarily have two characters connect like that, especially in a tense moment for now nothing so it's very possible that something could evolve between lena and win down the road i could completely see that happening i don't think i would have quite the issue with that at least not initially but it would be it would be interesting to see where that goes i mean you know what how about this perhaps that does happen perhaps they do start seeing each other and maybe win is the one that discovers that her mother is the head of cadmus that could that could quite possibly be how this plays out for the rest of the season
1: it'll be weird if it happens but they certainly certainly are leading you to think that that could be
0: yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see all
1: right let's go on to episode 506 of arrow so it begins where i would say the bulk of this episode has to do with the new team arrow finding out that oliver is not just green arrow but he was the arrow and the hood before him you might remember that allegedly back in season three the arrow was killed when roy harper basically he basically faked his own death while the public thought he was actually actually the arrow and so everybody thought that green arrow was a different person who likes archery and dresses up in green and is in no way shape or form the same person but obviously that worked because we found out even curtis didn't know and and the team did not take well to this they they were really rocked to their core to find out that they were working for whom if not presently was at least in the past undeniably a serial killer
0: yeah especially artemis i mean evelyn just absolutely i don't want to say she went off the rails but i mean and I it got to a point where I was like okay is is this is, is is this like the end of her character are they like putting her on an island because they're gonna set us up for something else later where she's gone because she was just absolutely floored and and you know was was having the major existential crisis about Oliver's past uh, way more so than I think uh Rory or or Curtis or, or or Renee in fact I think Renee was the one that handled it the best and quite honestly I mean he 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 knew and I think he. Was was the only one in the new group that was like well okay yeah I don't like the fact that he kept that from us but it is what it is like he was he seemed most willing to move forward on it whereas everybody else Evelyn especially just was was not handling it well at all that was interesting one really quick thing before we we get into the the meat of our major discussion for this episode which is centered around Prometheus because a lot came out about him Uh, I just want to point out this is now the third week in a row that we've seen something at least I've seen Something in an Arrow episode that really has harkened back to the Dark Knight, or rather, the Christopher Nolan trilogy of Dark Knight movies. A couple of weeks ago, uh, in the episode where they broke Diggle out of prison, uh, they had the the escape, the uh, the plane escape with the balloon from the Dark Knight. And then last week, they had a sequence where Oliver faked his own death in order for them to catch Tobias Church, which was similar to what Jim Gordon did for them to catch the Joker in the Dark Knight. And this week, we had kind of another one. Uh, the whole train sequence was really reminiscent of the, the the train sequence just a little bit at the end of Batman Begins especially in the way that they separated the cars and like left out and like flew out of it I mean of course in the movie he's got his cape to do it and in this case it was an arrow like parachute that like opened up but it, it the, the whole way that it, that it was shot just really felt like it was harkening back to that scene in Batman Begins for me I don't know what did you think about that
1: I could definitely see where you would have picked up on that my question now is what scene are they going to 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 derive from
0: next. Hmm, that's a really. I mean, there's there, there, there's so much gold in in all three of those movies that they could totally mine from. I I feel like probably the next thing might be from The Dark Knight Rises because it seems that everything we've seen has been from either Batman Begins or The Dark Knight. So maybe the next thing we'll see, maybe we'll see a truck flip, uh, or 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 maybe we'll see uh um I don't know. Maybe we'll see somebody in a pit that needs to climb out, or or or, or, or somebody that gets their back broken and has to. You you know, f- climb their way back to, to, to strength, I I don't know, but I it, it'll be, it, it's very interesting how they're just kind of not shying away from the Batman comparisons, even thematically and, and, and strategically in terms of how it's shot.
1: Yeah, you know, when Arrow first started, a lot of people thought that, I mean, they were very clearly inspired by what Nolan did with the movies, and it, that's just clear, and I'm fine with it, if they want to continue it, that doesn't bother me. Um, we got an Ask DCTV question this week from Woodblock707, and we're, going to talk about it here because it directly relates to this Arrow episode. He said that he can't wait to get our thoughts on last night's Arrow. Okay, here you go. Here they are. Uh, do we still think Prometheus is Tommy Merlin? So, I don't know. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that the, the Quentin thing is a big red herring. Quentin is now under suspicion of being Prometheus because of a couple things. Let me back up just a little bit and say that throughout the episode that Team Arrow, specifically Artemis, actually had a run-in on that on that train you were just talking about with Prometheus and she wounded him. She was able to cut his arm and when Oliver as Green Arrow showed up, he took off. Cut to Quentin waking up seemingly in a drunken stupor in his apartment and he finds a ninja star like what was already shown that Prometheus was using and he has wounds on his arm similar in the same spot to what Artemis had done. On top of that, cutting back and forth, Felicity has put it together that the ninja stars are actually made out of like recycled arrowheads from the arrows that Oliver had has been using throughout his time in Starling City and Star City and who would have had access to those well obviously Quentin's not the only one but he does have access to them combine all of it together and they are kind of kind of looking at him so what do you think is is Quentin him or is it a big red herring
0: well first of all just to just to, real quick to answer Woodblock 707's question uh myself I know actually I'm st- I'm starting to waffle on the idea that it is Tommy um because it just seemed like going back a bit further before getting into the whole Quentin thing like the they determined that Prometheus was that his victims in this episode uh their names were restructured anagrams of names from Oliver's list in the first season now while I'm sure Quentin would have known about that I don't know for certain that he would have any reason necessarily to really like be angry or really like convert himself over in, in into villainous territory with that but here's what I'm thinking and 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 See if you can follow me on this because this is going back a couple of seasons. You remember the whole scenario in the third season where Thea was manipulated by Malcolm Merlin to kill Sarah Lance. And I forget exactly what medium it was that he used uh, that put her into some type of trance. And so she is the one that ended up killing Sarah at the beginning of the third season. I wonder if a similar thing isn't happening to Quentin now. And maybe it's a case where he really isn't drinking or maybe he thinks he's drinking drinking or he's being led to believe that he's drinking and he's actually being used as some type of puppet prometheus pawn by somebody else that's pulling his strings maybe the real prometheus and maybe that's tommy but i don't believe that if that is quentin in the suit i don't think he's doing it of his own volition i think he's being manipulated what do you think about that is that crazy
1: no it, it makes a lot of sense i will say if it's quentin i agree it's not he's not in his right mind he's not doing of his own free will now we've already kind of seen him be a pawn to the big bad last year when he was working for Dark. You know, it's funny. I have a hard time believing that Quentin would be capable of doing what Prometheus has done. And by that, I mean just how physical he has been. The fight with Artemis, basically just, you know, jumping from a standing position, not even a running start, jumping out of the train to get away from Green Arrow. I just don't see Quentin as being able to do that. We've never seen him on that level physically. And ironically, I find it easier to believe that Tommy has come back to life and trained, you know, off camera in the background the last few years, then Quentin has suddenly picked up these skills. I can't imagine what he would be angry at Oliver over at this point. If, obviously, with Sarah back to life, he is fully over everything that happened with the island and blaming Oliver for her death, that's all in the past and done away with. As far as Laurel's death, which kind of seems like the obvious, that doesn't harken back to season one and everything we've heard about this character is it's something that goes all the way back to season one. Not to mention, if he was that upset about Laurel's death, he would not have... been working with Oliver even at the end of last year after she died, and he definitely would not have sent Sarah back with the Legends on her time travel missions. He would have kept her around to help enact revenge. And so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It would make a lot of sense for something something like what happened to Thea, uh, however she was drugged by Malcolm to be going on here. But the difference is Thea at least had training at that point, training that Malcolm had given her. Quentin doesn't. I don't know. It just seems like his body would not be capable of doing the things that. Prometheus does, especially when you remember at the end of season two, he basically developed like a heart condition that kind of was a running theme throughout at least the first half of season three and why they wouldn't even tell him that Sarah had, you know, died the second time for quite a while. I- yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say. I I guess I'm going to go ahead and still say that, yes, I think it's Tommy because I don't believe them that it's Quentin. And it just feels it feels false to me. Maybe I'm wrong. But as of right this second, I I think Quentin is still very much on a member of Team Arrow and is simply dealing with a vice, the vice of, you know, his his drinking and is basically being framed.
0: There you go. I'm glad you said frame, because that's that was the next thing that I was going to bring up. It's entirely possible. And this would fit into the idea that Tommy is still Prometheus it's entirely possible that he's being manipulated and set up as a fall guy because think about it we know that whoever it is whoever Prometheus is they have access to Oliver's prior arrows to build the ninja stars which means they've got SCPD access now I know Quentin isn't necessarily like completely interconnected with the SCPD but he is the deputy mayor now so he would still have that access and seeing as how he's in an extremely vulnerable position it would be easier to manipulate him than it would be to manipulate somebody else in the acu to get those items for him so maybe that's what he's using quentin for maybe quentin isn't prometheus he's just using quentin prometheus is uh possibly tommy he's using quentin to get access to everything in the scpd and then also pinning it on him to throw everybody off the scent like that that totally in fact that that honestly i'm going to go ahead and say that's probably what it is quentin is being framed and prometheus is trying to make everybody's trying to make everybody think that it is him and when in reality it's just a complete red herring because yeah there is a lot of falsity that you feel with it but I I, I think that very well could be it and perhaps and, and that just I guess that goes back to the whole possibility that it very well could be Tommy that is manipulating and pulling the strings on this
1: I just decided just now as you were talking I even more firmly believe it's going to be Tommy and I think he's working with Malcolm I think through I mean we got to remember Malcolm was Rachel Gould it is possible he knows of a different Lazarus pit we know Damian Dark was somehow using the Lazarus pit to stay alive all these years even when he was no longer a member of the league and we know that the Lazarus pit used to bring back Sarah was destroyed last year but nothing says that like in the comics there is not more than one Lazarus pit Malcolm may know the location of others maybe he used one to bring back Tommy he's drugging probably through the alcohol he's drugging Quentin the same way he drugged Thea like you talked about at the beginning of season 3 that is officially my prediction it's Malcolm it's
0: Tommy Malcolm's drugging
1: Quentin Tommy
0: is Prometheus. I think that's all completely 100 plausible. And just to add one more little cherry on top of that, uh, we haven't seen John Barrowman yet this season in any of the shows, and he is due to make an appearance at some point. I know that we, you know, we all know about the deal. I think at this point, you know, with with Barrowman and Katie Cassidy and Wentworth Miller having appearances across the entire DCCW. Well, we've only seen Wentworth Miller at this point, and that was in a flashback. All three of these characters are. Due to return, so it makes perfect sense that Malcolm, you know, trying to, you know, having lost everything or whatnot at the end of season four, uh, and 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 convinced that he's probably never ever going to have a great relationship with Thea, he might be on the edge, might have done something to bring Tommy back, and could be pulling the strings on this whole thing. That is absolutely plausible.
1: Exactly. The the one correction I'm gonna gonna call you out on there is we did see Katie Cassidy in a flashback as well, um, not just Wentworth Miller. She was in the first episode of arrow
0: ah yes you're absolutely
1: right but yes. but you're right we are due for some some barrowman and we know he's supposed to be a member of the legion of doom over on the legends but they, they didn't give him a deal for legends they gave him a deal for the network so we are expecting him elsewhere as well
0: yep yeah
1: all right so speaking of legends let's go ahead and go on to episode 5 of legends uh compromised and not to mention speaking of Damien Dark, basically the team has another run in with him, this time in the 80s. And a theme of this episode, I felt like was is basically kind of what you were talking about is vengeance. So Sarah, she struggles when they find out that they're going to meet, be facing off with Dark again, as well as Vixen struggling with what happened with the JSA. And we see the we see an older Obsidian, and he is upset that Vixen left to pursue Rex's killer. What do you think of this week?
0: You know, I, I think this might be the second week week in a row that i i think legends had the best episode of all the dccw um you know i thoroughly loved abomination last week and i i really think that the show is is really starting to elevate itself especially on an emotional level and in terms of the the character development uh with this episode one of the best things you know talking about the vengeance argument for this episode one of the best things i think they did was they had a carryover from abomination where you know after everything that jacks went through in 1863 with the slaves and whatnot he now has the mindset of hey let's change history for the better and he gets into an argument with Stein about it at the beginning and Sarah takes Stein's side on it saying no we have to preserve history we can't make any changes that was the mission that Rip originally put us on and so as soon as Dark shows up she throws all that out the window and nearly destroys the White House trying to kill him in, in Sarah's name and it led to a really great moment uh, between Jax and Sarah where Jax basically looked at her and went okay so you got all sanctimonious on me about changing the timeline, and you just totally threw caution to the wind yourself, how is that fair? And it was this real, you know, you know it, that really messed with Sarah for the entire rest of the episode, and you definitely could see it with Vixen, and, and the whole team was concerned about it, as far as, like, would, would, would the emotions, would the vengeance, you know, take over the better judgment of these characters that are normally very level-headed and very strong? Sarah's been very level-headed and strong to this point as the leader of the Legends, but you you throw Damien dark into the mix and it just completely flips her upside down and 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 all the rage and whatnot comes back and this was a great I felt like this was a great growth episode for her character it was also a great episode for for vixen in terms of further ingratiating her into the team and I think really her her transition from being a member of the justice society of America into now being a legend if you will is just is is getting stronger and and they're just really doing a great job with that I think
1: yeah I thought it showed a great a great you know sense synth- to the bigger picture when Sarah actually chose to not go after Dark later in the episode because she didn't trust herself around him and chose to let other members of the team handle that. Touching on Obsidian for a little bit, uh, Lance Hendrickson appearing as the older Obsidian, so you know he's about 40 years older at this point, and I gotta say the guy still had some moves, he still seemed to be able to control his power and was a genuine help in when they were fighting some of Dark's men towards the end of the episode, and I really liked his appearance. I, I kind of got the feeling that this is the last time we're going to see him, but I hope it's not, but, but I, I just can't shake that feeling about
0: it. Yeah, it's tough uh, to, to gauge that one. You know, by the way, character actor Lance Henriksen, which is, he's been in just almost any or everything re- regarding sci-fi, you know, aliens, uh, he was the voice of Admiral Hackett in the Mass Effect video games, uh, just did a really great job with that role. It does feel like we're not going to see him again, and, and that would kind of be disappointing, but by the same token, you can't really rule anything out with a show that deals in time travel. Because just because he's still in 1987, where he is now, doesn't mean that they that they couldn't run into him again somewhere down the road in another time period at another point in history. So I, I'd like to see him again. I, I'm still holding out hope that at some point the Justice Society of America does return in some form. I know this episode really makes it seem like that isn't going to happen, but I'm still holding out hope that that will happen and I hope he's a part of it.
1: So something I wanted to bring up, something that I'm going to call When Barry Met Sarah, Sarah realized when she was facing off a dark later on where it was just unavoidable. They did run into each other that he had the help of a speedster and Firestorm made the comment of, Oh, like Barry or like flash. And Sarah said faster. This is a nitpick. I realize it's a nitpick, but I immediately thought of it at least on camera. Sarah has never met Barry, at least as far as I can remember between all the shows between legends, flash arrow, all of it. They have not met. And even Vixen, those characters have not met. When I brought this up with you, you had mentioned, well you know Barry was on the rooftop when the legends came together and I'm sure some of you right now are just yelling in your car or whatever when you're listening to this about that scene but you have to remember that scene did not happen that was all just part of the proof of concept video for the CW upfronts when they were basically trying to get the CW to pick up the show it, don't get me wrong it was a great scene but the, when that rooftop scene happened Oliver and Barry were not there so again it's a nitpick they obviously have you know Sarah has been a member of Team Arrow she's been obviously She's gonna be talking with her sister and things like that. Off camera, they could have met, but just for a second there, it did kind of take me out of it. I, I'm not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, it, it, she did make the speedster connection kind of quick. It's definitely one of those off camera things because yeah, you're right. The first thing I thought of was that rooftop scene, but that but that was not actually part of the pilot episode of Legends. They that was that was something totally different. But you know, it clearly you know she's aware of the world of of metahumans and 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 whatnot, and it's definitely something that you can. Envision off camera, you know Laurel telling her about Barry or about the Flash or about even Reverse Flash. But yeah, it's it is one of those like little moments of I guess cognitive dissonance to know, hey, you know they've never met in person. How did she possibly know about that? But it's definitely something I'm willing to willing to forgive, um, especially with how they they've really strengthened her character. I think for the show. And uh, there's just one other thing I want to bring up about her character, real quick. My favorite scene from this episode by far was her final confrontation in the episode with Damien Dark because it really showed her growth not only from the through the season but through this episode where she basically looks him in the eye and says I'm sparing your life because I know what is going to happen to you and I want you to live through that torture and you know and that might be another one of those moments of, 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 of kind of cognitive dissonance now that I think about it because all of that happened in arrow while she was off ship and or while she was on the wave rider i guess she didn't see any of that personally so clearly that was another piece of information that she got from from quentin or somebody else about what ended up happening but she was bringing up details that she had never really gleaned herself about what damien dark had done in the fourth season and i loved the way that they did it because they they they, they changed the camera angle and they they gave her like this really dark palette you know where, where they just put her in the shadows and she just like the blood drained out of his face as she was revealing to him exactly everything that was going to happen in his future and she legitimately scared the crap out of him and that was just an awesome scene and it's going to affect the rest of the show because you know after thawne grabs him he basically goes i've got to rewrite my destiny what am i going to do so she's kind of de facto you know she got kind of her symbolic vengeance on dark but she's also kind of changed things because now he's going to change his plan knowing what she has told him and i wonder if there's going to be any repercussions. From that.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that he'll start to, to badger, you know, Thawne to get more information about what happens in Dark Zone future. And I guess the obvious answer is Sarah is, you know, on a time ship and she would have access to history. She could have read something about how is Damien Dark defeated? Give me more information on the Flash, that kind of thing. It, yeah. it just feels like in the case of Barry that they would have shown that to us. And in the case of Damien Dark, well, we know she, she appeared back during that time frame in the last episode of Legends last year, and she actually was filled in on the death of Laurel at that time uh, by Quentin. So I I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that she's gone back there to visit again since the end of Arrow season four, let's say. Um, I I don't know. Almost to me, that seems more believable than the whole Barry thing. But again, it's really all kind of nitpicks, especially with the time travel show. We get that. We just had to bring it up.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, It's nothing that makes or breaks anything about the shows for us or whatever. It's just, you know, us being fans.
1: One final thing about Legends, just super quick because we don't have any information. Where's Rip?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's five episodes now, and uh, not only has he not returned, it doesn't even seem like they're looking for him. I actually, myself, I was really curious about what Arthur Darvill the actor that plays Rip Hunter has been up to and uh, found uh, some information I guess uh, Mark Guggenheim has stated that Rip Hunter will return at some point for season two I guess maybe even a few more episodes down the road and at this point it seems like it might not even happen until after the crossover uh, because he's not it, it doesn't look like he's anywhere involved whatsoever with the crossover um, which will be in a couple of weeks by the way uh, right after Thanksgiving but they say I guess Guggenheim was was quoted as saying that when Rip Hunter does return, he will be a different Rip Hunter because he will no longer have the weight and the responsibility of what he was dealing with last season with, you know, getting vengeance uh, on Vandal Savage for the murder of his wife and child. he's He's been relieved of that now, which I think is something you brought up before, Brent, on, on the show, is that he no longer has that burden on him, you know, and in that first episode, he was already acting differently, I think, when we did see him before he vanished, and so I guess when Rip does eventually come back, he will be a very different. A different rip Hunter than what we have seen to this point. But he is coming back, apparently, according to Mark Guggenheim
1: it's just it's weird because like you know we're on episode five we saw him in episode one and at the end of episode one I was like okay I want him to come back because I like the character I'm almost getting used to the team dynamic without him at the, in fact I, I am used to the team dynamic without him at this point so I, I'm just wondering what is it going to be like when he appears and I don't know I, I kind of feel like he should be a part of the crossover but it's okay that he's not but all the promos and everything we've seen about it and there has now been a promo for the crossover rip hunters nowhere to be seen so I'm going to go ahead and say I guess at this point we're not going to get him until after after that
0: yeah I think so for sure and yeah it's it's crazy because I I think I had brought up before I was like okay Rip better not be gone for that long because I need him to come back to the team and the last couple of episodes it's like well it's not that I don't want him to come back but no I I've gotten used to it as well especially since you know that Sarah has elevated herself to being in charge I, I I like seeing her in charge I like seeing what she's done as the leader of the team at least for these past couple of episodes and yeah the 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 dynamic that they have right now i think really they have hit the ground running with it and i think it really is doing well so that's going to be real interesting it's almost it's almost getting to the point where when rip comes back you wonder if it will throw a wrench into the chemistry that they're currently building uh and and that's a crazy thing to say uh five episodes into this season when he was such an integral part of the show throughout the entire first season but here we are that's that's what we're possibly talking about here so that'll be interesting to see there is a bit of news about legends of tomorrow though just just a a, a tiny bit, something that we had been talking about before and and didn't know was going to be the case and they have made it official, the episode count for season 2 has gone up to 17 total episodes, which that, so they, they I think they ordered, I think there was four more because I think originally it was 13, wasn't it? Correct. Yep, yeah, so now there, now there will be 17 total episodes of Legends of Tomorrow, which does bode well for the future of the show. You don't typically add more episodes in a season to a show that you're going to cancel at some point so that is good news for anybody that is fans of legends of tomorrow for them to get an extra four episodes this season we'll not only get more of it this season but it bodes well down the road for possibly a third season and beyond
1: i'm excited i I was a little bummed that we were getting less time with them this year than last year and now we're actually going to get an additional episode i think that's great and they still are early enough they have plenty of time to work those four episodes in in a more organic way so it's not like they have to come up with something last minute all in all i would say it's fantastic news
0: for sure could not agree more the more the merrier
1: so we got we got a few uh, iTunes reviews this week three of them came in total and I, I want to say thank you guys for that we're going to go ahead and go through those uh, the first two from actually the UK's iTunes store uh, starting with Stuart Little he said if you're a DC TV fan who wants some positivity but not blind devotion you do well with this show uh, thank you thank you so much for that yeah we, we try to call it out if we think something's not quite right but all in all it helmets <laughs> all in all it is, it is <laughs> is my, <laughs> it, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it's it's my favorite thing in comics media, and so, yeah, we definitely want to be on the positive side. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, Stuart Little, for that. We got another review from another Stuart. Stuart, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Guernsey. Really hope I pronounced that right. Uh, he says, this is the best podcast for keeping yourself updated, or for a reminder of the DCCW shows. I followed this podcast after being a listener of the Suicide Squad cast for the past year. I love how these guys focus on the positives and avoid the negatives, unlike other shows, I listen to podcasts for about four to five hours a day, and look forward to this show each Thursday to show up in my feed. I also recommend that you check out the original show, the Suicide Squad cast, which focuses more on the films, and the Comic Squad cast, which is focusing on the Rebirth comics. Top show, guys! I look forward to the next one. Thank you very much, Stuart. And yeah, uh, we do encourage all of you to listen to all of the shows on the Suicide Squad cast network. The the parent show with Tim and Scott, they do an awesome job covering most of the movie news and and and. DC stuff in general and also the DC Comics Squad cast uh, that Jordan and Chris do uh, which they're they're doing a really awesome job talking about the Rebirth comics if you guys haven't read the Rebirth comics you, you need to get on board with that because they're just doing a phenomenal job with those and, and those guys are covering all of it I think they just did a, a focus on Aquaman and, and uh, they did a Cyborg. Fo- focus Aquaman on, and Cyborg yep Aquaman and Cyborg and they, they did a, a focus on Batman before that uh, yeah they, they're definitely listening for those guys they, they do a great job
1: finally from the US store we've got uh, uh, from joseph golden he said this is easily one of the most positive and fun dc podcasts that are out there i discovered this podcast while listening to the suicide squad cast and did not disappoint in the least both Britt and ray have a really informative perspective on all of the DC TV shows while still remaining upbeat about them if someone's looking for a really good DC TV podcast out there this is the one i would highly recommend listening to thank you guys keep up the great work and remember that you guys have certainly not failed this squad cast network
0: oh that's awesome i love that <laughs> pun it's great absolutely thank, you. absolutely thank you for that Th-
1: thank you so so much. We really do appreciate all the, you know, the good feedback, the positive feedback and things like that. And it, it just iTunes reviews in general, they really do help out the show. We, we know that iTunes is not the only way to listen to podcasts out there. And we are available on Google Play and Stitcher, things like that. But something like 60 to 70% of the market for podcasts is on iTunes. That's why you hear so much focus on that area because that's the easiest way to grow your your show. And hey, that's what we want to do. We just want to spread the positivity about the DCCW. So again, Thank you so much for all that.
0: Yeah, and for anybody that's a first-time listener, yes, that is true. We we are indeed people, and there are plenty of people out there who thoroughly enjoy the DCCW universe. It's certainly not all negative, and we definitely focus on the positive here. All right, that does it for this week. Again, we really want to thank you guys for listening.
1: Yeah, and let us know what you guys think. We can be reached by email at DCTVSquadcast at gmail.com.
0: And we can also be reached on Twitter. I am at TheFlightCast. And I am at Real underscore
1: brintech. The show can be reached at DCTVSquadcast.
0: And if you guys have any questions that you'd like for us to read and answer on the show, just make sure you use the hashtag AskDCTV, and that'll make it easy for us to find those questions. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. All right. Take care.